You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a WealthCap Holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Hey, everybody. Devin here, your host for the Portfolio Builders podcast. Super excited to have our guest, Justin Colby, on with us today. Justin is the founder of The Science of Flipping. Say hey to everybody, Justin. What's up? What's up? What's up? So uh, for people that are listening who aren't familiar with, with who you are and what you do, I'd love to hear just a little bit about the background um, and like how you got to be the founder of this pretty big company, the science yeah, of flipping. Thank, well, thank you. So I've been flipping homes for 13 years. I started back in 2017 uh, when I was broke, busted and disgusted for those that <laughs> remember those days. Uh, I actually was a statistic of the financial crash that happened back in 06, 7, 8, et cetera. Uh, I was very successful as a realtor back then, and that all turned upside down on me. Uh, I lost my home to foreclosure. The Ouch. repo man took my car, and I walked away from $40,000 worth of credit card debt back in 07. So that was a fun time in my life. And from there, I was able to get into real estate investing because in, you generally don't need any cash and credit, and I had neither. Uh, and so I jumped full steam ahead into that with no money at all. And 13 years later, I can tell you I've created a pretty incredible real estate investing business. And on top of that, I have a coaching platform that I help others do do their thing. That's awesome. So the the business that you've built, the science of flipping, walk us through a little bit of like why why did you start that business? What was your goal? Um, science of flipping is my educational component. Phoenix Wealth Builders is my real estate business. Which which one do you want me to answer that question on? Both. Nice. So Phoenix Wealth Builders, which the name is is kind of irrelevant. It's a real estate investing firm. Uh, I wholesale flip and wholesale properties and obviously buy and hold as that is the secret magic to wealth building. Yeah. Uh, and so I did that because initially and, and still to this day, we do a, a pretty decent volume of wholesaling and flipping which creates a lot of cash. Well, now as an adult, I like to think at least, you take that cash and what do you do with it? Well, you can go and buy a bunch of fancy stuff and that's fine, but ultimately now, uh, you know, being married and first kid on the way, my mindset is much more into creating wealth, which is where, you know, buying a portfolio, keeping rentals, investing money in long-term wealth building assets is uh, what I do now, but I still create that cash with the wholesaling in rehabbing because then I can take my cash and just like Taylor and Chris do, they take their cash and put it into longer term wealth building. And so that's the real estate component. The science of flipping is an offshoot of that. Back in 2014, I created a podcast uh, on iTunes called aptly named the science of flipping. Mm -hmm. And from there, I got a lot of people that were asking me questions and Hey, what about this? And what about that? And I started to realize I had a business coach and an advisor. And he was like, dude, you need to be a coach, right? And start coaching people and charge for it. And, you know, you have all this experience and they need to learn from that. And so then I developed a consulting business called aptly known as the science of flipping. <laughs> uh, and so that is the two different businesses I run. I run multiple other businesses, but specific to the real estate space. Uh, those are the two that I run, which is a flipping business and a coaching and consulting business. Right on. 
So we were chatting earlier today and what I really want to dive deep with you on today has to do with what trends are you seeing in the markets? Mm -hmm. What markets are you thinking about going into? What markets do you see people getting out of? Yeah. Um, how do you identify good markets for, for what you do? Um, which, you know, it goes right in line with what we do here at WealthCap. Because um, yep. we are basically the end buyer for, you know, for somebody like you. We work with a ton of wholesalers and not so much the flippers, but the wholesalers because we do we do rehab. Um, so I want to know everything that you think about what's going on in the market now and what you see coming in in 2021. Yep. So um, great question. And, and I think there's a lot of questions out there about what's going to happen with the real estate economy, what's going to happen with the financial economy as a whole. And, and I'm not an economist, so I don't try to, you know, play my card there. But I can tell you, I've been in this game for 13 years now, I've been wholesaling, rehabbing and flipping properties for 13 years. And because of all the different things going on, there is still a very successful level of being able to create that cash. Um, but I also think there's some changes in the, in the sense of the nation, right? I think there are a lot of people leaving the East Coast and the West Coast, yeah. and they're starting to funnel into what I just use as middle America, right? Um, and that has actually driven my interest to open up different markets in the middle of the country, like Oklahoma City, and even moving east of there and going into markets like, you know, um, Indiana and North Carolina and th some of those markets to be able to capture great returns. Ultimately, myself and I think anyone who's in this game of real estate should be doing it for the long-term hold aspect. That should ultimately be everyone's play if mm -hmm. you're not kind of silly of you really, uh, frankly. But you know, the middle America price points and where we're at with that and what's going on with the economy and people needing places to rent now and all, all these furloughs, it really just drives this whole buy and hold model is such a great model even right now and will continue to be a great model moving forward because of all this. Mm -hmm. Now there are markets, of course, all of California primarily is not <laughs> ideal for a rental market, not ideal for a portfolio. Yeah. Great for flips, right? Because you can create massive value by your rehab and it's great for that. But you know, would I rather buy a $110,000 home in Oklahoma City that rents for $1,100 a hundred percent or a $80,000 home in Kansas City that rents for $1,000? That's where the money is moving currently. That's where people are going towards, especially because, you know, you keep hearing more and more reports of these really large companies basically allowing their workforce to work from home now. Mm -hmm. So no one has to live in the middle of San Francisco. They could literally live in New Mexico or Kansas City or St. Louis or wherever and work for an IT company that's located out of San Francisco. They don't have to be there anymore. And so I think the a lot of, Again, without you know claiming to be you know economist, um, I, I just think people are going to go to where things are affordable. And for us investors, you know, putting your money in a place that creates long-term wealth as a ROI with mm -hmm. the safety of a asset-backed you know house versus mm -hmm. a stock that you're kind of doing this with. Yeah, I mean, this is this is why I love real estate is because it can create long answer, but it can create this cash. Like I make a ton of money and then you take that money and you say, what do you want to do with it? And you say, oh, well, I want to create wealth. I want real wealth, not just like 
more cars and watches and boats and all that stuff, right? right. Some level that gets tiring and that's what you do. So I think it's going to be strong. I, I, I don't see, you know, listen, with everything happening with the economy and, and, you know, businesses, you know, firing people or furloughing people and all this, there will be a challenge. There's no mm -hmm. doubt about it at some point. But buying a home in, you know, middle America for 100 grand, 120 grand, less sometimes, that's a great asset. I agree a thousand percent because that's what oh, I'm, I'm doing. sure you agree. Uh, <laughs> well, I, um, I do you remember those old commercials for the hair club for men? Like I'm not just the president. I'm also the, the client. Of course. Okay. Same. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm putting my money in middle America right now. I'm, I'm currently buying a house in, uh, in Kansas city and I'm looking at one in Birmingham for probably next month. Yep. Um, for the very reasons that you just stated. And I know you told me earlier that there's a couple markets that you're moving into, Oklahoma City and Raleigh were two of the yep. ones that you mentioned. Yep. I'd love to know when you're starting the journey of saying, okay, I'm gonna expand my business into a new market. Like what are the data points that you start researching? How do you come to the decision? Yeah that it's going to be this city in middle America? What do you start looking for? So I've been in this space for a long time, right? And so some of that also has to do with the people I know. So mm -hmm. there, usually there's like, you know, based around the education space in my consulting firm, I run masterminds with investors from all over the country. So I have some level of like intel from individuals who are in those cities and investing. So that's a little bit to my advantage would not everyone would have. And so if I was taking, you know, a bird's eye view in answering this question for someone, maybe just arbitrarily trying to pick a city, there's mm -hmm. a couple factors. Obviously, you could just Google unemployment. What is the unemployment levels? What's the employment like? Has it been varying? Is it up one year, way down the next year? Does it change a lot? Is there consistency? I want to look at that, right? Mm -hmm. I would also cross-check that unemployment versus like national unemployment rate and then that specific city's unemployment rate right and see how that looks uh, I personally am always looking for some level of a foundational sporting team sporting function around the area as I believe that continues to drive people people's desire so I like like Oklahoma City obviously you have uh, the basketball team the Thunder right and so gotcha. that to me says that there's a market large enough to hold several investors, right? And to have a good housing market. I know that sounds a little silly, but that goes back to why people would be there. So what industry is there, right? Gotcha. And so I have friends that jump into very odd markets initially, but then you ask them, why did you jump into this market? And they're like, oh, well, because the BMW plant is opening up a million square foot plant to do, you know, to start building their cars out there. And it's going to create 100,000 new jobs. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, that's going to be a great market. You're always going to have that. Another market that's close to Oklahoma City that I'm not in, but because it's close, it's, it's kind of like that is Lawton, Oklahoma. There's a military base there. So there's always going to be people needing to buy a home there or at least rent there. So right. I'm looking at factors like that, right? Um, the other thing I want to try to figure out is the level of home, right? The price point of home, again, back to this point of like middle America, like I want to keep the price point affordable. I want it to be affordable market, mm -hmm. right? And so between a combination of what type of industry is there, what type of industry might be going there, 
Um, for me, it's kind of a lot of it has to do some level of sports teams. I like that. It's not a mandatory, right? But like Kansas City, you got the Kansas City Chiefs, Oklahoma City, you have the Oklahoma Thunder, right? Like a good example, and it'll be interesting to watch what happens with Vegas. Vegas goes from only a tourist city, mm-hmm. right? Only to now all of a sudden they have a hockey team and really? they have a football team. Really? And they have a major university. So, I know nothing about the sports. So this is all news to but me. That, because <laughs> it drives a certain level of people who are going to live there, right? It's not yeah. a city. Yeah. Right. And so the, the other thing is universities, mm-hmm. right? So um, having good, solid universities near or around those cities means a lot as well. Right. This is why Arizona Phoenix specifically is so great. You have ASU, you have all the sports teams, mm-hmm. you have sprawling area, obviously. So you have building and development opportunity, which would be another answer to you. Is there opportunity for growth? Gotcha. Some markets there is, some markets there's not. Like our builders building. So I'd be looking to see if that's happening. If builders are building, that means they're expecting an influx of people and there's an opportunity there. So, you know. People are moving out of tertiary or moving out of cities right now because mm-hmm. of this work from home policy that's being implemented. You don't need to live in the big city anymore. Yeah. So you don't need to live downtown Oklahoma City. You can go out and live in Morgan or mm-hmm. Moore or Lawton, for God's sakes, right? And in these little surrounding areas. So that was a long answer. And I didn't want to confuse people, but you're just looking for a certain factors, unemployment, industry. I like kind of sports slash universities. Mm-hmm. Like, do they have a major university near there? Are there sporting teams near there? What industry is near there? What type of unemployment factor is? And then the price point, right? Yeah. No, I like the sporting team thing though, because I'd never really thought about that before, but it, I get it. It means that that city is, it's like somewhat established. It's not transient because fans of those teams, you know, like they tend to to plant. That's not something I right. ever would have thought of not being a, a sports person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's, that's really cool that that's something that, that you consider. Yeah. Uh, slash universities. Right. So you can make totally. it like I was, I'm debating about getting into Raleigh here before the year ends or maybe next year. Well, there's no, like there is a, double a or triple a baseball team is pretty well known but really you're looking at university of north carolina is in yeah Raleigh, yeah right and mm-hmm. that's like a major college huge school so totally. there's there for me is that check mark okay massive school right yeah um and so that's why i would it would check that box uh so all those are things to take into account and then you know simple things like you can go on rento meter and mm-hmm. just look what average rents in these cities are getting and then look at what things are selling for. Right. I mean, it's that simple. You can go to Zillow. You can look at things that have sold, right? Homes sold or even active. Mm-hmm. And then just go to rent-o-meter and put those addresses in with what do you think the rent would be for that address? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're getting a 1% ratio, right? Meaning if you buy it for 120 grand and it rents for a thousand or more dollars, that's a great little rental market. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. exist in Phoenix, by the way. It doesn't exist in Nashville either, right. uh, which is where our home office is. And right. folks ask me all the time, like, why don't you, why aren't you guys doing what you're doing in Nashville? 
Um, and it's for that very reason, the numbers just don't work. You know, that's price, right. It's the prices here are way too high. Yeah. Uh, I love you guys are in Kansas city, right? I love Kansas city. Yeah. Um, Birmingham. So anyway, but that's another thing I prefer, you know, the one thing I didn't love about the idea of going to Raleigh is it is a judicial state, which means they close with closing lawyers. Yes. They in do. North Carolina. Yes. They in do. Arizona, we close with title and escrow, right? It's mm -hmm. non-judicial. I haven't yet done deals with lawyers in a judicial state. So I'm a little reserved there because here's the, the reality of that is now you have a foreclosure process that takes 12 months to 15 months where non-judicial takes 90 days. Mm -hmm. So I don't love that, but it's not a deal breaker. It's just as one of those like, ah, yeah, I don't I'm, love that. I'm curious about that because we, we're in Charlotte. Uh -huh. So we're doing business in North Carolina, but it's, we're at the end of the, of the process. Is it the judicial state because of something that's going on, like in the wholesaling process? The foreclosure part. So it's some of what you're buying, is it from the things that you would be buying? Um, yes. Gotcha. Right. So gotcha. the, as an end user, as a portfolio, if I'm buying a rental, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily care because I'm the buyer. Right. The bank's not going to foreclose on me. Right. Right. But dealing with a homeowner who's late, right, and pushing that, like I might contract a deal with a homeowner mm -hmm. and they're late on their mortgage. Well, it might take like 15 months for that home to go to foreclosure and they may not have enough equity or money to catch the loan up or have enough equity for me to have some sort of play there. So now I'm waiting for this to go to foreclosure. Ugh, just, just tough, right? And then the other thing is not knowing evictions. Like what are the laws about evictions? So in North Carolina, I don't know what you know. Like for example, in Phoenix, it's a 30 day process. Yeah. You get served a letter, you're out in 30 days and by the 30th day, you're gonna have a sheriff at your door knocking the door locking the door behind you and whatever's left in that home is left in that home. That's the process. Yeah, no, I, there, I love those States, um, <laughs> where it's, you know, easy to evict, evict when you, when you, when you need to, and some States are certainly easier, easier than others. Um, with current circumstances, you know, and I'm trying to buy a deal right now that the tenant will get out and hasn't for two and a half months. And the wow. seller wants to sell and we're contracting escrows open, the tenant won't leave. But because of this whole tenant moratorium of evictions, I right. can't buy the home. Seller can't sell it. And they still have a mortgage that they have to pay every month. And the mm -hmm. tenant now is pissed off and not paying their mortgage. So think about how fun that is for that homeowner who all they want to do is sell it. All I want to do is buy it. Right. But because of all this craziness, and, in, and this is in my state, which I would argue is an easy state to evict people. Mm -hmm. But because of the craziness for us, like we're just trapped, right? And so that's just, that's a difficult, difficult thing. So I don't know a ton, a ton about um, wholesaling. Yeah. And how all of that works. Yeah. Because uh, that's not, I mean, we work with some wholesalers on the sure. acquisition side, but that's not really, that's not my department. Uh <laughs> podcast is my department and the distance yeah, and working with our it. investors. Thanks. Uh, but I'm really curious, like, what are the things that you love about the, about the wholesaling process and what are like, what's the most difficult, um, for, I know there are some people in our audience that 
they're interested in maybe trying it. Um, so I'm just curious your, you know, your takeaways on what do you love about it and what's kind of a pain in the rear? Pain in the rear are the contractors. Okay. Well, let me, let me take a step back. I, I kind of answered something along my question. So let me answer directly. What do I love about wholesaling? You effectively are just a marketer. All you're doing is marketing and you're selling. So it's very similar to kind of the space of TNF, right? And, and all of that. Mm -hmm. You are trying to find a homeowner in need of selling and you are selling them on you as the best buyer to buy their home. That is the business model. You don't deal with money. You don't deal with contractors. I literally assign the contract over. Uh, we just did one this week. We made an $18,000 assignment. I will never fund the deal. I'll never rehab the deal. I won't touch anything about it. I have zero risk involved. Mm -hmm. I do anywhere from 10 to 20 of these a month. Wow. Zero risk. No need for money, no nothing. But you have to market, you have to negotiate, you got to, you know, mm -hmm. be patient, you got to make sure that you can, you know, move the deal to your buyers, right? So right. I need to be able to call up you as a buyer and say, hey, are you interested in this deal? I need to make sure I can do that. Yeah. So there's a business model that you need. But that's the main reason why I like it. The second function that I like is you get to choose your exit strategy because I'm direct to the homeowner. So if I want, I buy it, remodel it and put it in my portfolio. Like I'm remodeling a condo right now. It's a great little rental portfolio, but because of how crazy this market is, this happens to me all the time, by the way, the market keeps appreciating. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at it and it went from like a $20,000 profit margin for a rehab to like a $35,000 profit margin now because of all this going on. Or I can make $200 a month on rent. This happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I like my $35,000. i am going to take it, right? Yeah. And so that's what I love about wholesaling is you get to choose what you want to do. You mm -hmm. got the deal. You can wholesale it. You can rehab it. Or you can keep it in your portfolio. And you will have the deepest discount. Okay? That's what I love about wholesaling. The other thing is it can be quick cash. So for those that are trying to create a company... You don't need cash. You don't need money. It literally is like an ATM. And like I said, when we started this, you can take that cash and go over to WealthCap and say, hey, I need to buy a rental. Here's 30 grand. Boom. For the long term. Yeah. That's right. And, and But then I keep creating that cash because yeah. it can be very cash intensive. I call it my ATM. I literally have invested in so many different projects and companies and things into my own coaching business, right? I can take my real estate money, invest it into my other company so I can grow that company, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's great for that model. Um, and my number one downside of that will be for wholesaling is, I mean, there, there kind of isn't is why I love it so much. There's not a big downside to it, but it is a business. So yeah. depending upon what you put into it is what you're going to get out. Like, don't, yeah. don't say, okay, I'm going to go send some direct mail to some homeowners and I'm going to get rich like Justin. Like, that. <laughs> it's not the game, right? It's a real yeah. fundamental business that you got to work consistently at. Yeah. Um, the, the downside in the space of like rehabbing um, or even in your, your model of turnkey to me is the contractors. They're always the bane of my existence. I was just talking to Taylor in Nashville He's like, bro, why aren't, why aren't you just doing this with us? And I'm like, cause the contractors, it is like <laughs> such the bane of my existence. Right. And so that fundamentally is, is why that is the biggest challenge, I believe. Right. Because you're dealing with a third party resource that is not typically good business people. 
Uh, so they don't know how to manage money. So all of a sudden you're over rehab budget by whatever, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm, you're smirking probably because you've heard this probably in team meetings, but it's a thing. It's well, I've experienced it myself because I've, I've done flips, um, you know, for myself and for clients and I've had contractors walk off with my money. Um, and totally. you know, the final bill came in twice what the bid was. Uh, so I've been there, done that, but you know, part of the reason I'm smiling so much is that's the beauty of what we do here at well. I was just going to transition to that. The reason why you guys yeah. are so great is someone like myself. If you guys want to go out there and wholesale, create the cash, screw doing it yourself. Just give it to WealthCap, right? Give yeah. it to Devin, buy their rental property. You don't have to deal with the actual real heartache and headache and all the other frustration of buying your own home, remodeling your own home, getting the tenant, getting it occupied, getting the, no, 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 I'm out, right? Like, let me just yeah. go invest my money in a done for you product that is literally just done. And yeah. I get a return on my investment. Yeah. And that's all I care about. And that's the key. That's why some your space is so valuable. And so many people see it as a value investment because really, genuinely speaking, who the has time to buy it, <laughs> remodel it, get the tenant, lock the tenant in, right? The, like no one has time for that. It's a lot of work. And I talk to investors all day long or potential investors all day long. That's what sure. I do. And I love it on uh, on calls and they... A lot of people ask me, you know, they ask me every day, why don't I just do this myself? And I'm like, you totally can. You totally can. Like yeah. you, I believe in you. You can do it. Um, but there's so much, there's, it's not as fun as it looks on HGTV. Um, something will go wrong. And what do you mean? You don't just buy a home and you slap 20 grand into it and you make an extra hundred grand and it's. No, it doesn't no? work like that. No, uh, something something always goes wrong. Um, yeah. something will go over budget. And you know, when you do it yourself, you absorb that risk and that cost. Right. Uh, you also learn a ton. So I'm grateful for the flipping experiences that I have. Right. Um, because I learned a lot. I'm, I'm really good at laying tile just FYI. Uh, um, all right. Yeah. Just got a job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I learned the hard way that I wasn't good at grout cleanup and yeah. was cleaning up haze for a few months. You're better than me. I don't, I've never done anything on any of my projects. Not one thing. What? I haven't seen the light bulb. Are you serious? Dude. My wife will say, Hey, can you, uh, the ceiling fan doesn't seem to be working. Hold on one second. Hey Juan, uh, my ceiling <laughs> fan's not working. Yeah. Wow. Come on over. Okay. Next time you're in town, I'll show you how to use a miter saw. I'll give you a lesson. I don't know what a miter saw is. Don't even bother. <laughs> You think I'm joking? Completely not joking. I've literally hired out crews my entire, I've done over 1600 deals. Wow. I've never done one. I've not put a hole in the freaking wall with a sledgehammer. I've never done any of it. Can you because identify I don't have time. I'm a hammer? <laughs> so I just, but this is why what you guys have is provide so much value for people like me, right? Yeah. Is the reality is, if I was going to do that, here's what I see. And remember, I coach people and they do this on their own, right? And they're like, okay, I just bought my rental. And I'm like, okay, guy, let's, let's, let's make this happen. And they'll be like, okay, well, I'm not going to do, I need to just keep the budget within 20 grand. Well, why? Right? So they don't realize what the budget really does. And then they don't realize what really needs to be remodeled for that home to have longevity. So you don't have to keep reinvesting in it every single year because something breaks. That's the key.
inevitably right. something's going to break, but you got to make the right remodel situations, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, they may not, oh, the roof looks good. I'm not going to mess with it. You're, if that goes out in two years, you just have a $10,000 roof you have to replace. Don't yeah. do that. Inspect yeah. the roof. Make sure you have 10 years left on it, et cetera, et cetera. Where a company like yours, you don't think about it. You guys know you're the expert to replace the things that are absolutely mandatory so you don't have to come back in at a later date. Do it right once so you don't have to touch it again. Yeah, totally. I I agree a thousand percent. You're a good spokesperson for wealth <laughs> for wealth cap. And uh, you know, that's exactly what I'm doing. Like I obviously I make my money working for wealth cap and I'm investing in our product. in our product. Yeah. Um, As you should be, by the way. You'd, you'd be crazy not to. Yeah. People ask me, why don't you do flips around here? And it's like, cause that, you know, it wouldn't be the best use of my of my capital or my time, you know? Um, and it's way, it's way funner getting to talk to guys like you and do this. Yeah. Than, uh, you know, go manage, uh, manage contractors. Um, well, that's the point. So let me just put this in reference for everyone watching or listening to this on the podcast. You have a job that creates you a very good income. Mm-hmm. You enjoy it. You like it. Why wouldn't you just reinvest your income, obviously pay your bills into the asset that is going to continue to pay you as a dividend every single month? Yeah. Don't go and make that your full-time job unless you absolutely have a massive passion for it, right? Like I've done this for 13 years. I can tell you, I have a pretty high passion for the real estate sector of this whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, So most people are like, I just want a good return on my investment. We'll keep working your high paying job that you're Mm -hmm. doing, that you're crushing, that you like, invest your money safely into an asset that's going to give you a monthly dividend and is protected by something that to some level is finite. So you're a great example of why people should do it. You should be investing in your own actual product because you have a great job. You're paid well, you're, you enjoy your, right? Like, yeah, it's a no brainer, but everyone should be thinking you're the way you think. Uh, and then for the individuals that maybe they're not, maybe they're not in such a position financially. Maybe they're not high income earners. Those are the people that you would say, "Hey, learn how to wholesale some deals, make some quick yeah. cash." And then- if you have a passion for real estate, like if you enjoy it, if you like it, if you're kind of a deal junkie, because the reality is, like the wholesale side, it is not the passive long term. That's not it. It's more that like salesy deal junkie. Like I'm a full blown deal junkie. Like I'm a serial entrepreneur, deal junkie. How do I make this deal work? How do I get it to structure? How do I turn it around? Whatever, right? Like that's how my mind thinks. I'm a, I'm a high I, right? Um, and so, so those people, yeah, wholesaling is the way to go, right? And then you take one down, like here's the perfect business model. Go wholesale five deals a month, which is not like major, major crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Go make 50 grand or more a month on those wholesales. Go buy one remodel. Go make 50 grand on that one remodel. Mm-hmm. Take the 50 grand from the remodel, give it to Devin, buy a rental property, and you still have 50 grand a month coming in as income. Gotcha. That's your ideal business model. And, you- and if you did that three, four, five times a year, I mean, you're going to look back and be like, I am rich, like real rich. And that's what you can teach people how to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So if somebody wants to learn how to do that from you, like what is, what does the process look like? What, what steps do they need to take? Yeah. Go to the easiest thing I can tell you is go to the science of flipping, the science of flipping.com. Um, right there. I have, you know, all my YouTube videos will bring you to a bunch of free resources just to mm -hmm. get familiar with me um, and understand who I am. Obviously we have strategy session calls on there. If you so want to actually talk to me about, you know, coaching and helping you, you know, build out the model. But uh, my podcast, the science of flipping is on iTunes as well. Go start listening to the podcast, the science of flipping and, you know, feel it out. And if you want to talk, I'm, I'm happy to help you guys create that model because wholesaling will directly create cash to buy portfolio properties with Devin. Nice. So you said you're a deal junkie. I am, I'm the same. I'm, I'm high I, high D. So very similar personality profiles. You're like eight feet tall though. So we don't, we don't look the same. We don't present no. the same. Uh, but I would love to hear a couple stories of some of your, like, what are some of your favorite deals? The ones that you think back on and you're like, yeah, man, that was slick. Oh, there's like, so many. A, I know, I'm but just, just share a couple. It'll be fun. Some of the best ones are actually my like losses because you're just okay. like, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And so the one that comes first thing that comes to mind is probably three years in, I was buying homes at the auction. Right. And uh, my business partner at the time, that was really his fundamental role is to underwrite the deals to say, here's where we can make the offer. Well, he went on vacation and I was like, OK, I got it. So I took over that role and because the auction is every day here in Phoenix. So you can buy every single day you can buy homes. Oh, cool. So one property, I even forget the address. I should try to remember that somewhere was like opening bid was 39,000. So I was like, okay, we're going to start bidding on this one and we could go up to whatever the number was. Let's just say it was 75,000. Mm -hmm. And we knew, you know, the auction space, you know, they usually will start low and it bids up, et cetera. So I was like, okay, I can go up to 75,000. So we start bidding and all of a sudden no one's bidding against me. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I'm like crossing <laughs> my fingers and I'm like, hell yeah. And we win. And I'm like, yes, I'm calling them, dude, we just struck gold. This thing's worth 250 grand, blah, 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 whatever. Right. So excited drive down there. By the way, I take my lender, my private lender who lends us the money to buy these at auction, drive down there with my lender, show up. You will, it was built in 1930, uh -huh. which in Phoenix is really old. Like right. the, some of the oldest buildings are 1930 builds, right? We're not on the East coast. It's literally, I could push the house and it would sway back and forth. Oh, I could shame. push it with my one hand. I went like this and it would sway back and forth. Essentially it was like four two by fours and some sheetrock. Oh my gosh. So I basically would have to scrape this home. It was nothing. It was literally sheetrock and four, four by fours to keep the thing up. Oh and my uh, the land value was probably like 20 grand, but I bought it for 39. Thank God. I love that. Uh, and so total terrible deal. Luckily my, so my partner's super excited. And then all of a sudden I call him and I'm like, uh, so we have an issue. There's no real house here. Yeah. There's no actual building. It's uh sticks. 
<laughs> and so, you know, cause the, all you get is a picture from the outside and it right. looked like, I was like, oh, it seems like a house. Right. And it was not. So that one came to mind. So luckily I ended up wholesaling. This is what got me into wholesaling. Cause before wholesaling, I was rehab flipping everything. And so okay. I somehow like some realtor, I was like, Oh my God, I mean, he went and found a buyer. We ended up selling it for about what, you know, like we didn't lose any money, but mm -hmm. man, that was a, this is where I learned, do your research, do your due diligence. Don't just, yeah. whimsically just do it. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, there's just so many there. It, I mean, I can tell you a deal we're doing right now, which is hysterical, hysterical in a terrible way. <laughs> we want to buy this home from this 90 year old woman who wants to sell it to us. Like, borderline her dying wish mm -hmm. and we can't and why can't we it was supposed to close last monday okay last monday was closed date still can't buy it it's because the city has a um what do they want to call it they like there's a violation they have a violation against it for the front yard work that has to get removed for us to be able to close escrow so no one can remove this violation, but the 92 year old woman who wants to sell the home to us. Oh. Well, the 92 year old woman wants to sell the home to us. So she doesn't have to contact the city to remove the violation. So okay. we are like literally going in circles because we can't do anything. Mm. She has to, she doesn't want to call the city. That's why she's selling it to us. I mean, it's just stuff like that, that you just have to laugh. You're like, oh my God. Like everyone has the same want in mind, but you have the city basically saying, nah, we're not going to let that happen. You got to go clean up the front yard. I don't know. That's crazy. I had, so I'll tell you one of mine. Um, it was my, one of my favorite deals as a real estate agent. Okay. Um, few, probably four years ago, the buyer was doing an FHA loan on this house and there was no finished flooring in the house. It was just subfloor because it had flooded. Mm. And like this buyer was, she was oh, so headstrong. She's like, I know what I want. I want to do an FHA because I want the low down payment, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, but this is a project. So we're going to have problems, you know? So <clears throat> we're getting through underwriting and, and all of that. And the final thing was the lender was like, I cannot close the loan unless there's floors in the house. But the right. buyer didn't want to go ahead and put the flooring that she wanted to put in the house in the house until the loan was closed just in case she couldn't close the loan, right? Right. So we got to put floors in the house in order to close, but the buyer doesn't want to pay for any floors until she owns the house. Understandable. So Devin gets on the phone and just starts hammering contractor friends like, where can I get some old carpet, used carpet, whatever? A buddy of mine let me know. He was like, I have a roll. I don't know why. He's like, I have a whole roll of brand new casino carpet and I'll bring it down there. So he brought the carpet down. I bought a bunch of beers for my friends and we literally just installed this carpet by ourselves all night so that we could close the loan. And it was the gaudiest carpet ever. I can only imagine. You know, yellow, orange, brown. Oh, just like so loud. I still have a scrap of it because it was one of those. The reason I love that story is because it showed me like, if you want to get a deal done, you can get a deal done. That's right. You know what I mean? Like if you really want to figure out how to do something, whatever it was, 
yeah. um, you know, you can, you can make it happen. So that was probably my most fun, my most fun deal was. In yeah. It's, but this is why I tell, it. you know, when you ask the question, like the wholesaling, like you got to want to be in real estate if you want to become a wholesaler. Yeah. Right. Just like anything, if you want to be good at it, you got to want to be in it because it takes that scrappiness mm -hmm. to get deals done. I'm telling you about this deal right now. Should have closed Monday. I'm like, so now we're trying to figure out how to get the anyways. It's the scrappiness is what's key. Yeah, I have. I firmly believe that if you don't like if you don't love chaos, if you don't eat chaos for breakfast, real estate is not your game. Oh, Absolutely not. This is why portfolio buying is right. I mean, that's yeah. why you say, <laughs> yeah. take your freaking money and buy a rental. Like don't right? just don't. invest and let us psychopaths do the, uh, the crazy you. work. Yeah. Cause yeah. we love it. We thrive on it. We yeah. thrive on it. Uh, well, it's been amazing having you on Justin. You Thank have you. been so much fun. I, I hope we do it again in a few months. I'd love to hear you know, how things are going as you yeah. move into a couple new markets and, and anything that you see that you see happening. Um, you know, I don't know if the election is even final now. Like I don't pay attention. To I that don't stuff. either, but I'm, I'm, really a, I'm a political. <laughs> we discuss this, right? Like I don't. Yeah. Same, same. So maybe we can do another podcast in like six months and see what the heck happened to the economy. Uh, 100%. Nobody knows right now. And the, you know, the date of this recording is November the 12th. So we're all, we're all still in limbo. Um, right. So for you guys that are, if you're watching live or listening to the recast later on the, on the podcast, and you want to get in touch with Justin, please go to the science of and he can help you if you need help learning how to generate some cash with wholesaling. And if you're ready for turnkey, if you just want somebody to put your money to work <laughs> for you and not do the crazy carpet, weird, you know, buying of sticks that us insane real estate people do, uh, you can easily find me at wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist. That will take you to my calendar and we can talk about our process and how everything works. And basically, um, Devin will do all the work for you. So... It's been awesome having you on, Justin. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, have a great rest of your day. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience, in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started, by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.